Exercise doesn't have to be painful. Your diet doesn't need to be bland and boring. It's time to have less pain and move more and learn how to be better to yourself. Welcome to Pain-Free Day with your host, Joshua Cohen. In this program, you'll learn the pain-free way to eat, the pain-free way to exercise, and the pain-free way to live a better life. Now, here's Joshua Cohen. Welcome back to Pain-Free Lifestyle. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Cohen. Thank you for joining us today. Today, I'm here with my good friend, TJ Jackson. He is the owner of uh, Real Fungi, LLC. So he's a purveyor of wild mushrooms. Why do I want him on here? Why am I so interested in mushrooms? Well, you know, as you guys know, I, I like to uh, look at health as in what, how, how does, what can, de- what can decrease our pain? What can help us feel better? What can help us realistically feel better? And one of the vastly, you know, so I feel that muscles are vastly underappreciated um, piece of pain. They're vastly underappreciated cause of our pain complexes and of, of overall the pain that we have. And nutrition is a great way to help decrease overall pain in our bodies. You know, a great way to I find whatever decreases inflammation will help decrease muscle pain, help decrease joint pain, and just kind of help everything out. Mushrooms are, they're considered a superfood at this point. They have a ton of antioxidants, a lot of great properties in them um, that can help decrease inflammation. Um, I'm a big fan of nutrition because if you eat the right foods, it really does help decrease inflammation, helps you live longer, helps you feel better, helps you survive better, just helps you feel better. And so anything nutritionally that we can do to help ourselves feel better you know, why not? Let's you know, why not look into it? Dr. Andrew Weil, he's a big, big fan of uh, mushrooms and botany in general. But you know, I follow him online, and he goes out and forages for mushrooms. You know, he's a big fan of all of the different properties that mushrooms have. So let's start talking a little bit about what what mushrooms can do, what they have to offer us, and why we should be interested in mushrooms. So TJ, how uh, how did you get into mushrooms? Well, I should say it started. At a pretty young age, uh, when I was about six years old, maybe seven, me and my grandfather started going out to hunt morel mushrooms. It's a pretty common pastime here in uh, Appalachia and parts of the Midwest. And to me, it was always like a treasure hunt. Uh, it was really exciting. We'd go out and I got to spend time in, amongst the trees and the wildlife. And when I found a mushroom, I'd just get really excited you know, kind of stuck with me. Something that I've always, uh, always thought, man, it would be great if I could make a living doing something like this. So I set myself to to do that. <laughs> that's very cool. Make a living out of something that you enjoy doing, something that's fun, something that's interesting. Yeah, but also something that you can help other people out with. You know, something that will benefit other people. Absolutely. You know, I'm a big fan of serving others, trying to help others if we can, and you know, what a great way to do it. For a long time, wild mushrooms in Pennsylvania uh, were technically illegal for sale. It was just recently that the Department of Agriculture here instituted a licensing program so that people could go out and forage wild mushrooms and sell them. So most people, when they think of mushrooms, they think of a cremini or a portobello or, you know, a white button mushroom. That's what we typically see. 
And that's because in the early 1900s and late 1800s in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, Italian immigrants started cultivating button mushrooms. And they did that mostly on composted manure. And there were a lot of horse farms in the area. So it was a really great way to dispose of all that waste and produce food at the same time. Now that just took off. And a lot of the other mushrooms fell by the wayside. But in recent years, people have been developing an interest in more of these interesting and difficult to find mushrooms. That's very cool. I never knew that that's kind of how they started here, you know, and kind of <clears throat> makes sense as to why the ubiquitous kind of button mushroom kind of got more and more popular because it was the only thing that was really being grown. Absolutely. You know? And it was canned. So, I mean, there were big processing facilities out there that, would can these mushrooms or dehydrate them and ship them all over the country. And they made them accessible to people everywhere in the United States and other countries as well. We export a lot of those mushrooms. So I, I would be, I would wonder if um, <clears throat> it's very interesting that you were saying that mushrooms were, it was just made legal to forage for wild mushrooms in Pennsylvania. I'd be willing to bet that that's part of what has helped keep them, you know, the fact that it was Ill illegal to do, that's probably part of what helped keep other types of mushrooms be from becoming, you know, popular and prominent. Oh, absolutely. Um, in a lot of countries, for example, Sweden, uh, I'd say about 200 years ago, they were facing some shortages of food supplies. And the government instituted a program uh, educating people about chanterelle mushrooms, which are a very common forest mushroom that grows there. And uh, they became really popular. And in fact, now if you go to Europe, a chanterelle mushroom is a much more popular mushroom than a button mushroom, you know, in com converse to America where the button mushroom is what everyone knows. That makes sense. You know, but then also along those lines, and I, I, I'm curious as to your opinion of this, I've heard that, you know, the regular button mushrooms, there's not a lot of nutrients in them. They're not very, not, there's not a lot to them. Not in comparison to some of the other mushrooms and even some of the newly cultivated wild type mushrooms, the saprophytic mushrooms, are much higher in antioxidants like ergothionine and GSH and things of that sort. Some of them four times to five times as much of that antioxidant. So uh, it can be in incredibly good for you. That's really cool. Um, so, you know, what, what, so, um, you know what, what would be the benefits of a wild mushroom versus just kind of a regular store-bought mushroom? You well, know? First and foremost, I think, uh, you know, a lot of these button mushrooms are grown in manure in pretty controlled environments. Uh, they don't really have the capacity to take in some of the nutrients that these mushrooms do out in the wild. A lot of mushrooms have the capacity to absorb vitamin D from the sun in a way that similar to how we do. And where we live in Western Pennsylvania, you never get enough sun mm -hmm. to fulfill your vitamin D requirements. Uh, and a lot of people don't know that just by taking your mushrooms and dehydrating them in the sun, you can increase their vitamin D levels almost a hundredfold. That's pretty cool. Because also, you know, um, been doing some research for this show, you know, seeing that vitamin, mushrooms are the only plant that have, or not, I know they're not a plant, but non-animal 
um, source of vitamin D, Yes, you know, which is pretty cool, you know, and especially with how big vitamin D is these days, how everybody's being prescribed it, which personally, I kind of think, you know, if you are prescribed it, I would take it, but I would go kind of easy with it because, you know, every, you know, 10 to 20 years, they come out with a new kind of like super vitamin, you know, 20 years ago is vitamin E. And then they found out if you take too much of it, it creates cancer, it can cause other issues. Vitamin D, you know, it's a great vitamin, but you know, I would uh, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. You know, certainly you want to take it, but I wouldn't go overboard with it. And it's nice to hear that su- that mushrooms are a nice supplement. You know, that if you add some bus- wild mushrooms to your diet, should be a nice way to get some extra vitamin D into your, uh, you know, into your body. Absolutely. I had my levels tested, and I was way below where I needed to be, even with consuming as much mushrooms <laughs> as I do. So uh, I, I think it's important and. I researched it a little bit myself. It seems to be that it's actually a hormone precursor, maybe more so than a vitamin. Now, yeah. I, you would know more about that than me. It's what, a lot of the vitamins are like that, where it's like they might not actually be an actual vitamin, but more like, like you're saying a precursor or something like that, but it's just a type of compound. You yeah. know, and one of the things I love is I see, you know, there's so many different foods with so many different types of compounds in them and so many different vitamins, you know, and if we are intelligent about it, we really can use them as a good source for vitamins, minerals, nutrients, you know, all that stuff. And I am a big fan of taking multivitamins because I look at it as it's just a good way to make sure you're in, it's a way to ensure that you're getting all the vitamins, minerals, nutrients that your body needs in order to adequately repair itself and keep itself healthy. But along those lines, you also want to be getting it from fresh food sources because those vitamins in there are going to be so much more active and so much better, better for you than what you get in an you know, just in a supplement or a vitamin itself. Oh, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, our diet, uh, the way our culture is nowadays, we don't get a lot of the diversity, I think, from the wild foods that we would have gotten in the past. Yep. Oh, totally. You know, and I mean, and that's part of why you're seeing all these people kind of moving towards like more organic foods and moving towards, you know, they're calling the whole food movement because things have gotten so processed and so away from what actual food is. And they, it creates a lot of issues in our bodies if we just mainly eat processed foods. I'm not a big fan of fad diets. You know, I like the, uh, the only thing, the main thing I like about the paleo diet is it gets us away from eating processed foods. Yeah. You know, it's like I kind of look at it as, you know, bad prehistoric times. There's no way that a human was able to hunt down an animal and have one for three meals a day. You know, be lucky if you had an animal every couple of days, you know. But it's like, you know, for the main thing, main way it gets you kind of from not eating processed foods, you know, and eating these whole foods are so much better for you. There's so much more nutrients to it. It's so much better for your body. Even making your body break down the, the whole foods yes. causes, you know, causes some stress in your body and helps your body get a little stronger versus eating all these processed foods that, you know, you your body doesn't even have to work to process. It just kind of passes through your body without, you know, and you get some nutrients, but you also get a lot of inflammation and irritation with it. You know, and that's one of the things I love about mushrooms. It's one of the few things at this point that you can go out and pick and eat. You know, it's like, I mean, certainly you can grow, you can grow a garden and have kind of a contained area, but it's really cool. Mushrooms kind of grow everywhere. They do. Absolutely. I like to tell people that the forest is, similar to a grocery store. I can go out into the forest, you know, provided that it's a relatively healthy forest of maybe 20 to 30 years growth on the trees. And I can come back with 50 or 60 pounds of mushrooms if the conditions have been correct, you know, rain and uh, humidity and all that. 
I highly encourage people to go out and explore and do this. But first and foremost, educate yourself. (laughs) You don't want to go out and pick the wrong mushroom. There are mushrooms that will kill you. There are mushrooms that will make you really sick. Um, But I'd encourage you maybe learn one mushroom a year. There's a few real easy ones that grow in lots of places. Chicken of the woods is one. Uh, Porcini is another one. Chanarelle is another one. And everybody's favorite, of course, is morel, but that's the trickiest one to find. And I think a lot of people get discouraged from hunting mushrooms because they start out hunting for morel. And that's the toughest one, unless you live in the Pacific Northwest or someplace where you have that natural pattern of forest fires. Uh, in this area, they're difficult to find. Well, you know, I've read even in the Pacific Northwest, they can be kind of tricky to find. And even where mushrooms grow very abundant, it still can be very tricky. And you have to be oh, so yeah. careful with which mushrooms you pick. And, you know, from what I've seen, you know a lot more about this. But even if you're not used to eating a mushroom that is, is edible, you still can have some effects yeah. from that. They're called idiosyncratic reactions. So anytime you eat a new mushroom, you should start with a relatively small amount and and work your way up to see how it affects you. Uh, Another thing I would suggest is always cooking your mushrooms. It's okay to eat mushrooms raw occasionally. It's not going to hurt you. But the cell walls and the proteins are made up of a substance called chitin, which is uh, also in crab shells and the exoskeletons of shrimp and things like that. It's not easily digestible for most humans. There is a small percentage of the population that can uh, produce chitinase, which is the enzyme responsible for breaking that down. But heat does that as well. So quick cook time. Now, I know a lot of people don't like the texture of cooked mushrooms. They say they get soggy or, uh, you know, slippery or squeaky maybe. And there's a really simple trick to get around that. And that's to throw it in a hot frying pan with no oil or butter and just kind of cook the moisture out of it before you add your fat. And that'll give it a nice crispy exterior. Ah, so you put them in the pan and you kind of let them dehydrate a little bit first, let the water cook out of it, and then you put the butter or the oil in after that. Absolutely. And that's Ah. not necessary with all mushrooms, but ones that contain a little more moisture than most Mm -hmm. or that you get that kind of uh, slippery texture from that you don't like, give that a try. That's one of the main complaints that I hear about people with mushrooms and especially, you know, people when they were younger, they remember being kids and just having to eat slimy mushrooms and not really liking them that much. There's so many ways, excuse me, to cook them. There's so many ways to, to eat them. You know, one of the, you know, one of the ways that you've been talking to me about that I really like is taking some truffles and putting it in with a little bit of butter, you know, but then also mix it in with some risotto as well. And it's great. Throw some sauteed mushrooms on top of that. It's phenomenal. You know, truffles are fantastic and they're just incredible in the diversity of flavors and aromas that they produce. So what exactly is a truffle? How does that differ from a mushroom? Well, a truffle is a mushroom. Um, For the most part, though, they're ascomycota, which is just a simple division. You know, you have basidiomycetes and and ascomycota. So it's in a different family, and they grow underground, typically not really deep underground, just under the surface of the soil. Sometimes if you just rake back the leaves or needle duff even, you can find them. And uh, what I look for when I'm out looking for them is squirrel dig holes. Uh, Flying squirrels subsist on a diet that's 
almost 80% truffles. So if you see a flying squirrel and you see little digwells really? around a tree, there's a good chance there's a truffle there. Now, we have 160 plus species of truffles in this area and maybe only four of them are of culinary note that we're aware of now, but they're all edible. Gotcha. That's funny. Now, people use dogs as well, and that's the that, better way to go about doing it. But. That, you know, in France, I've seen them use pigs, yep. you know, to, to smell them out, you know. Uh, but that, that's interesting. I had no idea that squirrels would uh, would eat truffles, Yeah, you know. And so, sim- so basically, so truffles are going to have very similar kind of uh, nutritional properties that what mushrooms will have. Um, but they're just kind of, you know, they're almost like kind of like more compact mushrooms in yeah. a way. And you use them more like a seasoning typically. A lot of people get put off um, by the price of them. Mm-hmm. But the amount that you use, a typical serving of a truffle is three to five grams on a meal. So an ounce of truffles is enough to go six ways. Um, and it packs a lot of flavor. There, there's a whole lot. A whole lot of punch there. Well, and that, you know, and that's part of what I like about them, and part of what I've been enjoying about getting, you know, eating more and more mushrooms is that, you know, it's like they're very, the just the truffles themselves. They're very pungent, and it's almost reminiscent of like a really pungent cheese or something yes. like that, you know. But then also with the mushrooms, you get the right mushroom, like you know, lobster mushroom. I mean, it's like the texture is kind of like meat. Yeah. You know, it's like it's very, you know, it's dense. It's not the traditional kind of mushroom texture that you have, and so I really like it because it's like it kind of, you know, it, it can be a re- placement for other types of foods you know um like i try not to eat a lot of animal protein so for me a nice substitute is to have mushrooms you know kind of like you know mushrooms with a salad and some rice or potatoes or something like that it's a nice substitute for animal protein and as i've said to you guys before you know i don't really not i don't push being completely vegan or vegetarian but you don't want to be having animal protein with every meal you know three to you know two to four times a week, you know, four to six ounce portions of animal protein is fine, but any more than that, you start getting into trouble. And so it's nice to have some alternatives that you can have when you're cooking for yourself, for your family, that you can have that'll be satisfying like animal protein, but it's not going to affect you in the same way. Absolutely. And there are a lot of programs underway right now in developing countries to teach people how to grow mushrooms so that they can have a source of protein in these places where it's really difficult or expensive for people to come across, you know, a good protein source. Uh, a lot of this is going on in Africa and, um, you know, places in Southeast Asia. And they're teaching people very simple techniques for growing mushrooms like oyster mushrooms and uh, straw patty mushrooms, where you don't need all of the equipment that you necessarily do for some, some of the other types. A lot, of, a lot of those can be done with a simple pasteurization of straw or byproducts of other agriculture industries there. And, uh, you know, usually there'll be a local supplier that provides the spawn, which is essentially just a grain that has been colonized with the cells of that mycelium for the mushroom that you want to grow. That's very cool. Now, I want to touch base just a little bit with something that you just brought up, protein. Protein is such a big topic with, you know, our, in our society. Everybody's focused on protein. Um, I'm not a big fan of focusing on protein, but it is, you know, one of the three major components of our diet that we do want to, talk, you know, do want to pay attention to. You know, personally, from what I see, we eat way too much protein in our society. From what I've been seeing, you know, research-wise, about, you know, 0.5 grams 
per, uh, per 0.5 grams of protein per pound of body weight is about accurate. You're really active. You can increase it to like 0.75. But these are just kind of rough estimates that I like to kind of throw out and I kind of put it in those terms because it's a little easier to figure it out. But, you know, we eat way too much protein, but a nice, you know, and so everybody's always looking for other sources of protein. And yes. I hear from a lot of people, you know, and especially athletes, oh, you know, you have to get your protein from, you know, from animals. You have to eat a steak a day. You have to do things like that. But really, it's like there's so much protein in vegetables and specifically in mushrooms. Um, you really don't have to. They're a great source of protein. And from what I've been seeing, so I believe mushrooms are like a third, pro consist of like yeah. a third of protein, which is pretty amazing. And what I've been seeing as well is that, you know, really – with protein, animal protein versus plant-based protein, there is a bit of a difference, but mainly we're limited by how much you're going to absorb at one time. So you're only going to absorb a certain amount of protein at any given time. Yes. And so whether it's plant-based or animal-based, if you exceed that certain amount of protein, you're just not going to absorb any more, and the excess that you eat is just going to turn to fat. And at least if that's coming from mushrooms, it's not going to be as bad for you, not affect you as much. And mushrooms are relatively low calorie as well. Uh as far as the percentage of protein in them in comparison to calories. So you don't have to really watch how much of those you eat. You know? And that's one of the great things about it is you can eat as much as you want, you know, because there's so much fiber in it. They, I, I like the saying that, you know, I hear this with fruits and vegetables. They come in a good natural package, you know, meaning like they're coming with pro, they're, the protein is coming with fiber. It's coming with all these antioxidants, coming with the other nutrients and minerals that are helping to decrease the effects of the protein and decrease the effects of uh, overall on your body which means overall you're going to be healthier. It's not going to affect you as badly, you know, and that's one of the things that's great about it. You know, it's like you can't eat as much steak. Well, you can eat as much steak as you want to, but you'll be in trouble. Yeah. You know, the next day you're going to have a lot of trouble going to the bathroom Absolutely. among other things. But you know, if you eat a whole bunch of mushrooms, chances are you'll have to go to the bathroom the next yes. day as opposed to not being able to go to the bathroom. You know, and so it's like, you know, I would encourage you, the listener, to kind of explore and, you know, see what other, you know, protein sources are out there, what what things you can eat. One of the things that happens is if you're on a traditional Western diet and you eat that for many years, you'll have trouble trying to shift to eating pro eating uh, fiber, eating um, yes. nuts, seeds, different things like that. And if you're in that position, then ease your way into it. Eat just a little bit. Try and eat a little bit every day just to kind of try and get your body used to eating a little more fiber, a little more stuff that's good for you, you know, stuff, make your body process it. Absolutely. And I hear this from new customers pretty regularly when they initially start eating mushrooms. Uh, they really love them, especially because they haven't been exposed to some of the flavors that are in these different exotic mushrooms and they go a little overboard and they say it upsets their stomach a little bit. But then that usually, you know, in time will go away. It's just a matter of teaching your system to to digest it, I think. That, that makes so much sense. And then also from a healthcare perspective, if that happens to you, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that means it's just going to clear your system out. Yeah. You know, and in general, the average person has 10 to 12 pounds of digested feces in their colon at any one time because meat and animal protein doesn't go through. There's no fiber, so it passes through your system very, very slowly. And we have these big, long intestinal tracts that are like 20, 30 feet long that it takes a long time for the food to process through. The longer it's sitting in there, the more toxic it becomes. And so you want to get that stuff flushed 
stretched out. That's why before you get a, uh, you know, like an endoscope or any type of like anytime you're looking inside your gut, they have to give you some like a barium, barium or something like that to help clear you out so that they can look through you. Um, this stuff, it helps kind of clear you out naturally, which is a really good thing. Helps you feel better in general. You have less inflammation. You have less gastrointestinal issues, you know, less polyps, less, you know, different issues oh, along yeah. those lines. I've been seeing uh, recent research, especially in, in the area of colon cancer and mushrooms. Uh, a diet heavy in mushrooms will make you much less likely to, uh, you know, develop a cancer of that nature. That's very, very, very cool. And that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, and that goes along with seeing like these diets that are very high in fiber, you know, you're not going to have as much of a chance to get cancer. You know, it's like the, you know, deep, you know, the, the quicker the food passes through you, the less what's called intrathecal pressure you're going to have, which means less, less food's going to be in your gut, which means it's not going to build up as much and push out against the walls and increase that pressure. That's what gives you polyps. It gives you, um, you know, gives you um other issues as well you can get you know kind of it can give you you know and that's how you know the the more toxic the food is in your gut the more porous your gut is going to be it's what causes leaky gut syndrome mm -hmm. and then all these toxins start getting into your system more and more and affecting you more and more you know it's it's pretty crazy it's a big kind of catch-22 where mm -hmm. the more crappy food you eat the more the worse you feel the less you're able to tolerate the good for you food and the more crappy food you eat then the worse you feel the less you move generally the less you move the worse you're going to feel and it just kind of all kind of snowballs yes. over time you know so even just you know kind of eating a little eating some stuff like what we're talking about makes a big difference you know oh. that, i i i 100 agree i think that uh especially with wild foods, not just mushrooms. I mean, some of the environments that I go out into to harvest these mushrooms are just pristine. You know, in traditional agriculture, we use a lot of things, pesticides, growth regulators, um, you know, and beyond just that, chemical fertilizers, the tilling of the soil, so on and so forth. A lot of these mushrooms grow in an environment where nothing of this sort has been done, you know, for hundreds of of years uh i go to places i i doubt a person's even been besides myself <laughs> for about that long so well you know the food's clean and you know it's it's natural and it's going to be good for you it's not processed in any way and there's hardly any chance of a pesticide or a you know, chemical residue and that's what we're seeing too you know in the farming community but also you know with animal protein where it's like you know the less you know less processed it is the less you know in, the less pesticides they use the less you know um, um what it, what what's the word I'm looking for um you know just kind of less medications that they use on them less hormones antibiotics yes. you know the better off the animal is going to be and the more nutritious that meat is going to be for you you know the more just the more nutrients it's going to have you know um but and it's I find it fascinating that it's like you know so with animals you know if they're going to have a lot of vitamins it's because they're eating grass and eating things that have yes. a lot of vitamins in them and then they're absorbing it and then you're going to absorb the vitamins from them so the animals are kind of like an intermediary in a way kind of like you know mushrooms are in absolutely a way. i grew up on a sustenance farm uh, in the country out here and we raised our own cattle we uh, raised scottish woolies in particular and they're a big fuzzy cow, lots of hair, big horns even on the girls, and they love to run around. They love the hills. They eat thistles and all sorts of stuff that normal cows don't eat. And, uh, you know, my grandfather passed away a 
number of years ago. And since then, the farm has not been functional as far as raising cattle. But I can tell you, there's a huge difference in taste and just the way you feel. I'm When I was eating our homegrown meat, I felt a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can definitely imagine. Well, we're going to have to take a quick pause right now. And we're going to come back in a couple of minutes and finish talking and do some more talking with TJ Jackson from Real Fungi LLC about mushrooms, wild foraging mushrooms, and why we should be interested in eating them. All right. Hang in there. Tune back in. We'll talk to you in a minute. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Are you in pain? Has your doctor told you that you need to start exercising, but you don't know where? Do you want to exercise, but you are in too much pain? Or you start a new exercise routine only to injure yourself and have to stop? How do you exercise when you are in pain? How do you exercise and eat to reduce pain and inflammation? Is your pain associated with what you eat? If you have any of these questions or are interested in any of the topics discussed on Dr. Joshua Cohen's show, then you'll want to check out CohenTriggerPoint.com. You'll find information on all of the topics covered on the show. The site features an extensive library of blogs covering most health topics. There's also an exercise and nutrition program that is designed to get you from not exercising at all to moving, exercising, and eating healthy in consistent ways that are easy on your body and wallet. Join the gentle revolution. Go easy on your body because the rest of the world won't be easy on you. Exercise smarter, not harder. Eat smarter. Don't follow bad diets. Exercise sustainably. Eat sustainably. Have a pain-free day. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Pain Free Day with Joshua Cohen. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to josh at cohentriggerpoint.com. Now, back to Pain-Free Day. All right. Welcome back to Pain-Free Day with my good friend TJ Jackson of www.realfungi.com. Um, check him out. He's really interesting. His, his, his uh, mushrooms are great. So... Let's get back into it. You know, one of the things that I was, that I wanted to bring up to you, TJ, was I just think that, you know, it's like I advised a lot of my patients to get dogs just because it gets them outside, gets them walking, gives them a reason to move. It's a fun way to move. And I tell you, foraging for mushrooms will be a great way to do that as well. Gets you outside, like you're saying, gets you into pristine areas, breathing fresh air. You know, and a quick aside, like I, I grew up fly fishing with a with an uncle of mine who lived to be into, into his early 90s. And it was so cool to see him still wading through streams and fly fishing when he was in his early 90s. And he always claimed that he felt part of what kept him going was getting out into the mountains and breathing that fresh, clear mountain air. And there really is something to it. It's so much more, you know, there's so much more oxygen in it. Um, you know, there's less 
additive, you know, there's, there's less pollution in it and it's going to be much better for us. So, you know, yeah. you- well, the Japanese have a term called forest bathing. It's yeah. a specific type of therapy where you just go out into the forest and kind of uh, take it in and, and, and enjoy the beauty and natural surroundings. Um, yeah, it's, it's really just going out and foraging for mushrooms in and of itself is really good for your health. I mean, I spend on the days I go out typically six to eight hours in the forest, but I'm doing it commercially. You wouldn't need to do that much on your own. Even an hour or two of hiking through the forest is really great exercise, uh, especially, and I would like to say, don't just stick to the flatlands. Don't stay on the trails. Get up and off of the trails, climb some hills, look for cool trees, you know, just kind of get out there and explore. But I would highly encourage you to get yourself something like a Garmin backtrack, carry a fire starter, some rope, maybe a a tarp. Be safe in the forest. Yeah, be prepared. I've gotten turned around before. It happens occasionally. Oh, yeah. You know, I do a lot of mountain biking and I've done a lot of hiking. And it is when when you're deep in the woods and you get turned around, it can be very hard to know which way is up, down, which way is right, left. You know, it can be very very difficult. And I agree with you. <clears throat> you know, it's, we live in Western Pennsylvania where it's very hilly and I hear a lot of people complaining about it, but personally I think we're very lucky because yes. it's great. You know, it adds, it makes things fun. You know, it's fun going up a hill and then going back down and like, you know, getting up to the top and seeing what's around. And, you know, it's like basically what we're yeah. saying is have fun with this. You, know, you want to be able to enjoy exercise, enjoy being active. You know, and the more you do that, the more you're going to enjoy it. One of the cool side effects to the, you know, to being outside is that, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt, but it polarizes you. You know, it says, that, you know, I've read a lot of information that talks about how it kind of polarizes us to Earth's magnetic fields. We're more in line with the Earth and we just feel more in tune and more grounded, you know, more, you know, which is a beautiful thing to feel, you know. I was actually uh, for a number of years a firekeeper at a Lakota Sioux uh, hoop. And one of the core beliefs is grounding yourself, taking your shoes off and letting your feet touch the mother earth and just being connected and and there's something to that there definitely is there has to be you know this stuff's been around for thousands of years there has to i I kind of figure there's there has to be something to it it's like with chinese medicine you know that stuff's been around for thousands of years there has to be something to it even if we can't explain it there has to be something you know positive going on with it that's it's been helping people out for thousands of years it'll keep helping people out for thousands of years and on that note in traditional chinese medicine mushrooms play a huge role. Uh, Some of these mushrooms you can find locally as well. I hunt for reishi is one of them. And now it's an immunomodulator. It has some um, steroidal type compounds in it as well. Uh, They call it the mushroom of longevity. They believe that it can, you know, extend your life. Now, once again, there's not a lot of hard science to back that up. Double blind studies, um, But there are other mushrooms in traditional Chinese medicine that now are getting renewed interest in the science community, uh, like lion's mane, for example. They've found that lion's mane produces a couple different compounds, hericinones and ericacines, um, that produce nerve growth factor in your brain. So they've actually done some double-blind studies at this point that show that it can reduce uh, not just the symptoms, but the damage from issues like Alzheimer's and dementia and MS and things like that. And 
it's anecdotal, but my customers that use them swear by them. Uh, there has to be something to it. And one of the things that's beautiful about that is you have the chance of, you know, somebody with Alzheimer's has a chance of kind of regenerating, you know, some neurological connections without having any of the negatives that you get with most pharmaceuticals. Yes. You know, most pharmaceuticals are going to have, some, you know, there's some benefit to it, but there's always some negative to it as well. You know, I just kind of look at it as there's, you know, pros and cons to everything. You know, with most of these, you know, most of the, um, um, fruits and vegetables, though, there's very little negatives to it, you Absolutely. know? And it's like with vitamin, you know, with mushrooms, it's like, what are the negatives that you're going to have? You know, you might feel a little bloated because you ate too much fiber. You might need to go to the bathroom a few times the next day, <laughs> yeah. you know? But that's good stuff. And it's like, if it helps decrease <clears throat> central nervous system, you know, um, inflammation, yeah. oh, that's pretty powerful, you yeah. know? It's huge. So the studies that were done were done with three to five grams of dehydrated um, lion's mane, and that was taken daily. And they say that at about the six-month point is where you'll reach your maximum benefit. Now, you need to keep continuously consuming it. Uh, whatever benefits you'll get from it will dissipate if you discontinue its use. But it's pretty easy to incorporate a small amount of lion's mane mushroom into your diet every day if you can find it. So now, <clears throat> um, how would somebody do that? Would they get lion's mane ground up and put it in a tea? Would they just get lion's mane freeze-dried mushrooms and you know reconstitute them and put them in their food? Or Well, you could eat them fresh. A uh, good ratio is 1 to 10. So anything dehydrated in the mushroom world, you know, mushrooms are 90% water. So just take that three to five gram ratio and multiply it by 10, 25 grams. You have about an ounce. That's not a whole lot of mushroom. I, sure. I mean, pretty easy to incorporate that into a meal. Uh, now you can, you can purchase them dehydrated. I carry them on my website. I was just going to ask you, so if somebody's interested, they could, if somebody was interested in doing this and couldn't find it locally, they could, uh, they could go onto your website and you, they, you know, anywhere in the U.S. you'll, you'll ship to them. Absolutely. Anywhere in the U.S. And uh, we're working on fresh lines, Maine right now. We just started growing it, uh, kind of working out the details you know, getting the environmental controls down is kind of tricky, but I think I'll have it here in another week or so. That's excellent. Now, so um, what are some other mushrooms that are good, other medicinal benefits to mushrooms, you know? What, well, what are some ones that you'd like to, that you... Chaga is another huge one, and a notice of bleakness. Uh, now, there's a lot of controversy surrounding chaga in the mycology world, in the medical world. What we do know is it has a ton of antioxidants, almost 100 times by weight what goji berries have. Wow. So it, uh, and it makes a pleasant tea. It's almost like uh, coffee in flavor, a little softer edge of like cocoa or vanilla to it. Um, and it's a big, huge, sterile conch that grows on birch trees. Now, a lot of people believe it pulls other compounds from the birch tree, like betulinic acid and things of that sort. But you have to watch. Uh, with chaga specifically, if you have kidney issues, uh, you get kidney stones, things like that, it, produce, it has a lot of oxalates in it. So you need to be kind of cautious with how you use it if you're prone to that sort of stuff. And I always recommend cycling off. Maybe take it, drink a tea of it for a week or two at a time and then take a week or two off. That, and also, if you have any questions about whether they are okay for you to take or any type of mushroom or, you know, anything with any medicinal properties, please check with your primary care physician or a healthcare practitioner before taking them. Now, there's another compound that is in almost all mushrooms. Now, certain mushrooms have more than others. 
turkey tail, and this is a huge one. This is a traditional Chinese medicine, goes back thousands of years, has a really complex um, chain beta-glucans in the cell walls. And those beta-glucans, for whatever reason, we don't really know, uh, kick your immune system into overdrive, and they kind of modulate it at the same time if it's in overdrive to begin with, which is really cool. Uh, I take turkey tail. I make a tea. I decoct it. I boil it down for a very long time. I usually grind it pretty fine first, about a tablespoon per cup. Anytime I'm starting to feel like I'm coming down with a cold or a virus or a bacterial infection. And it's once again, anecdotal, but it works for me and it works for a lot of people I know as well. But there, there's a lot to anecdotal evidence, there really you is. know, and uh, yeah, <laughs> there definitely is. And the, the, great thing about turkey tail is that it grows everywhere in the world. It's one of the easiest mushrooms to find. If you can go out into the forest anywhere between March and even as late as November, December in our area, you'll find it growing on dead and dying trees. It's pretty easy to identify. Uh, there's not many lookalikes and any of the lookalikes that are out there are harmless. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So now, um, if somebody was if somebody was interested in growing mushrooms, you know, on their own, you know, I think that you're kind of, you're you're doing that as well. I right? am. Yeah, we just started farming. My initial plan for the business was to create a mushroom farm on our old family farm, and that just didn't pan out. Uh, so I took it into the wild mushroom realm, and now we're kind of getting to the point where we can afford to start farming them as well. Uh, you know, it's not really expensive to grow mushrooms. It's it's expensive to grow them in a very controlled environment and get expected results consistently. But if you would like to do it at home, uh, a lot of companies sell kits uh, where you can plug logs. So if you have a tree that you have to cut down, specifically hardwood trees, oak or beech or, um, you know, anything like that, you can buy plugs for around $20, drill holes, plug them, stack them up like a pyramid and wait. And, uh, you know, you can even force them to fruit by dunking them in water and pulling them back out. So a lot of people will do a cycle where they'll, you know, throw a couple logs into a big bucket of water and pull them out and do that every other day with a new set of logs and get a continuous harvest of shiitake. Shiitake is one of the easiest ones to do at home on logs like that. That's pretty cool. Now, you can also get kits and get a little more complicated, but I would suggest if you want to do it at home and you have a little space outside, look at doing it on logs. You can do lines main that way. You can do oysters. You can do turkey tail. Pretty much anything you would want to grow. That's really interesting. And one of the things that I found interesting as well that you were talking about before is that there's these kind of like underground mushroom groups, you yes. know, where people kind of like, you know, they'll kind of discuss where different mushrooms, you can find different mushrooms and different oh, things absolutely. like that. I found that very fascinating. Yeah, the um, right here in this area, we have the Western Pennsylvania Mushroom Club. It's an uh, excellent resource. We have some of the best mycologists in the country or uh, members. And, you know, if you want to learn about these mushrooms, that's the best way to do it. I really suggest doing, taking a hands-on approach. Definitely get the field guides, get the books, read them, learn them, learn about the morphology. But that really 
doesn't compare to going out into the forest with someone that knows what they're doing and, and holding it and feeling it and smelling it. And Being able to actually see it, yeah. see what it is, like, you know, tasting it. Yeah. It's scary when you look at pictures in a book. You think there's so many mushrooms out there. How mm. could I know for sure that this is what I think it is? But once you start to get a grasp on it, it's not... It's not as complicated as, as it seems, really. That makes sense, you know, but you do want to be careful with it because Absolutely. you don't want to get the wrong ones or, you know, accidentally hurt yourself, yeah. you know, by doing it, you know, but it's, I mean, there, it's a whole, whole world of food out there and it's like, you know, very delicious food. I mean, you know, by the way, any other ways that you recommend cooking, you know, cooking mushrooms, preparing them, you know, I found like for myself, it's like, you know, even you know, I, I found this one recipe for smoking them and then kind of like flavoring them and tasted like, you know, it tasted like pulled pork. Yep. You know, it's pretty cool. Oh, you can do all sorts of different things. A lot of the times, even dehydrating mushrooms will give them a completely different flavor. So you can dehydrate some, make a powder for a seasoning. Uh, I am not the greatest chef in the world. A lot of the times I just end up frying my mushrooms in the frying pan with some butter. <laughs> That's usually um, what I do as well. But grilling's another great option, especially for the larger, more firm mushrooms. Uh, people with things like king trumpets, they'll make mock pulled pork, and lion's mane makes a really great substitute for crab meat, so you can kind of just fill it in to any recipe that calls for crab or lobster. Um, texturally very similar. Yeah. And, you know, if you sprinkle a little old bay in there you might not be able to tell the difference <laughs> <laughs> sure you know and so you know some of you might be thinking well you know but then what's the difference between why not just go and have an impossible burger instead you know and the thing you know so impossible burgers and you know the new all, all the different types of processed meats that are coming out they're very tasty but they are that they're processed you know, and we're talking about foods that are not processed. We're talking about whole foods. You know, and it makes a big difference between eating a mushroom that's sautéed in a little bit of butter and prepared, you know, and, you know, um, you know, thrown on some rice versus eating an impossible burger or something along those lines. I personally feel a mushroom, even with a little bit of butter, is going to be better for you than something completely processed, even if it is completely vegetarian or vegan. You know, and that's what you want to do. You want to kind of pick and choose what's right, what makes sense to you. Yeah. But then also, everybody's body is going to be a little different. And you're going to react differently than your, than your neighbor and then their neighbor and then their friend. Everybody's going to react a little differently. And we all have different kind of optimal diets for us. But for the most part, you know, most of us want to be eating 40 to 60% total calories coming from fruits and vegetables, you know, if not more than that, you know, carbo, you want good quality carbohydrates, which what, you know, these have in them, not a ton of carbohydrates, but good quality protein, you know, not, you know, one of the nice things about mushrooms is there's very little fats in them. Yes. You know, fats are good for us, but you don't want to be eating a ton of them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, um, yeah, you know, I mean, mushrooms are great. And I mean, after, you know, from working with you, so I've been working with TJ for probably the past couple years, you know, somewhere yeah. around there, a year to two years. And I've really, I've been loving getting used to mushrooms and trying different things with mushrooms, experimenting with them. That's part of the fun, you know, because part of it in, in our society, we're so pushed to just kind of like go, you know, everything's so rushed. You just kind of like run into the grocery store, buy something prepared, go home, make it, move on to the next thing. But really, you know, Andrew Weil talked about this. 
there's something very therapeutic about just preparing food. Yes. And, you know, there's some, it's, there's more nutrients to it, you know, without sounding cheesy, but if you take a little care and time to put into it, the food's going to nourish you a little bit more. Yeah, put a little more love into <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, you know, without sounding cheesy. Yeah. You know, and that's part of things, like, I love seeing different ways that we can eat healthy, you know, but still eat stuff that tastes good, you know, yeah. and here you are creating a whole business and lifestyle associated with it. I find it very cool. A lot of people don't realize uh, the range of flavors and textures that come in mushrooms. You know, you think of that traditional portobello or button mushroom, yeah. but these mushrooms that come from the wild are completely different. It's like comparing a cucumber to a rutabaga. It's uh, you know, they're all vegetables, but does every vegetable taste the same or feel the same? No. And for a lot of my customers, it's been a really great experience. I've gotten all sorts of letters and thank you notes from people just saying, you know, you've really expanded my horizons, my palate. I, I didn't realize there were great tasting mushrooms like this out there. That has to be really satisfying. It is. It you feels know? good. That's like, I, I joke with my patients when somebody says they feel better. I'm like, hey, that's job satisfaction. Yes. You know, I'm happy to hear that. And it has to be nice to hear that people, you're turning people on to different types of foods. They're nutritious, nutritious. And it's like it's doing something positive for somebody, yeah. you know, as opposed to selling them something crappy that, you know, is going to hurt them long term. Yes. You know? It's just it's nice to make do something positive. And on that note, I have to say, Josh has helped me out a whole lot with my leg. I was completely numb for years, and I have feeling again. So definitely give his therapy a try if you have issues like this. <laughs> hey, thank you very much. You know, I specialize in muscle work and joint issues, and that kind of takes the takes uh, you know that can take the you know take the form of you know tingling, numbness, pain, irritation, throbbing. You know, all these different types of things. One of the things that you were talking about that I found fascinating is that I think you were saying lion's mane decreases neurological irritation or something along those lines? Or no, is autoimmune functioning that well, you Well, it does saying? both. A lion's mane is pretty powerful in that regard. It has the beta-glucans responsible for immunomodulation as well as those compounds that are responsible for nerve growth factor in the brain. That's really cool. So now, you know, for many years, um, Western medicine and scientists thought that our, our neurological system was static. It, once you have it, it doesn't grow, it doesn't change. And what they've really found is that it really does change. And part of what I love about that is because the muscle work that I do, I'm kind of, muscles will fall into neurological patterns of spasm and inflammation over time. And I help break them out of those neurological patterns. The longer they're in those neurological patterns, the more they're going to be contracting and sending increased neurological stimuli into the spinal cord that gets amplified and creates neurological irritation up and down the spinal cord. It can exacerbate autoimmune issues. It can cause your immune system to cause, you know, your neurological system and your immune system to overfunction and can create other issues. By the muscle work that I do, it helps decrease neurological irritation, but there's very few things that do that. Yeah. And that's really cool to hear that mushroom, that lion's mane can do that along with, which I'm sure some of you guys out there listening have autoimmune issues. And it's part of the issue with an autoimmune issue is that your immune system is functioning too much. Yes. It's overreacting. And so different things that you take to suppress your immune system, different medications will suppress your body's ability to heal itself and yes. to just survive. And so if you can take something that won't really, you know, that can help suppress the immune system, but out with, or can affect the immune system without really suppressing it. Yep. That's a beautiful thing. 
in that case, I would specifically recommend Rishi. Now, once again, it's one of the ones that we don't have a lot of great data on, mm. but that's its traditional use. So, you know, and I kind of figure whether there's great data on it or not, if you are suffering from one of these issues, it can be worthwhile to try, you know, Rishi or try Lion's Mane for a little bit or some other type of supplement to see if it can help out versus just trying the hardcore, you know, Norlog or hardcore pharmaceuticals that are giving you a lot of side effects and a lot of other issues. Absolutely. You know, I always kind of figure this other stuff, it's worth a try. If you're not, if, you, if you're, you know, worst case scenario, you don't feel much of a difference after a month or so, and then you try the pharmaceutical. Yeah. But, you know, it's like it can be worth a try. It's going to be less expensive. It's not going to affect you as much. It's not going to be as harmful to your body, you know. If that's something you're interested in, I'll give you a little pointer. Uh, we have a great, if you live in this area, Western PA or anywhere where hemlock grows, we have a specific type of reishi, Ganoderma sugei, which is held in high regards uh, in traditional Chinese medicine. It grows almost specifically on dead and dying hemlock trees. Uh, now, we don't have a lot of that habitat left in Pennsylvania. A lot of it got cleared out in the 1800s for processing for paper mills and tannin production, things like that. But it's also one of the most beautiful habitats you'll ever encounter. I mean, it really feels prehistoric almost. You go in, they're giants. Uh, it's a miniature redwood forest almost for the East Coast. And if you walk for a good mile in a hemlock forest in June, there's a good chance you're gonna find some reishi. That's awesome. Yeah, some of the forests around here in Western Pennsylvania are just, they're amazing. Very dense and just, like you said, you feel like you're walking in prehistoric times, you know? Really do. And we have a very diverse uh, multitude of habitats from hardwood habitats to northern, uh, you know, temperate forest habitats like the hemlock and birch. Uh, then you also get your mountain ash type habitats, uh, ash poplar, where you get your morels. So, I mean, you can walk from one forest into another and feel like you're in a completely different world. That's beautiful. You know, and it's funny because we, being in Western Pennsylvania, we get a lot of rain, which can, you know, sometimes can be kind of annoying, but we look at it as overall, we're pretty fortunate based on what's going on in the rest of the country. Absolutely. You know? But wherever you are, there's going to be some natural benefits to wherever you're at, yeah. whether you're in the south, whether you're in the east, west, north, you know, southwest, you know, southeast, whatever. You know, there's always going to be, you know, different different types of mushrooms, different types of flora, different types of things that you can find that will be unique to that area. <clears throat> and that's part of the fun is just getting out and exploring and just doing that. That's going to help. It's going to help you out physically. It's going to help you out mentally. It's going to help you out in a lot of different ways like we were saying just getting out in the sun absorbing some vitamin d going and foraging around for a couple mushrooms you know, yeah. even if you don't find any it's still a success just because it gets you out gets you moving around in ways that are really good for you yeah. you know we're just about to get into ramp season here so i'm getting kind of excited for that myself now that's not a mushroom but it's a wild relative of a leek that's uh indigenous to this area grows from about Georgia up into the Canadian border and beyond a little bit. And uh, there's different types that go out a little further west as well. More of the white types, we have more of the reds here. But they are just loaded with vitamins and uh, nutrients, uh, similar to how garlic would be as well. Antibiotics, <laughs> natural antibiotics. 
athletics. That makes sense, you know. And I mean, the thing is, people have been doing that for centuries. Yes. You know, and at this point, we're scared to kind of go out and go and pick food and eat it. You know, we're more used to getting it from the grocery store. But that's how people have eaten for so many, you know, millennia untold. Yes. You know, and there's so much food out there and it's so good for us. And the stuff we get from the ground would be a lot better for us than what we can get in the grocery store. You know, if we just have to get a little bit of knowledge and figure out how to do it. Absolutely. And that was a very traditional thing in Appalachian culture uh, to pick these ramps in spring. And a lot of it was because it was the very first green thing to pop out in spring and it had a lot of vitamin C. So after ah, a long gotcha. winter with no vitamin C, no sunlight, no yeah. sunlight, it was really good for you. It kind of reinvigorated you, brought you back to life. A lot of people pickle them and do other things to put them aside for later in the year. So you can save them for later on. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, a traditional lacto-fermentation, uh, it's going to smell really awful, <laughs> the ramps specifically, but it'll preserve them. I've had for over a year, and they're still wonderful. That makes sense. You know, and along those lines, I really like this saying about processed food versus whole food. You know, basically, if your grandmother wouldn't recognize it as food, I wouldn't eat it. Yes. You know, and I mean, that's kind of, for me, that kind of drives it home. It's an easy way to kind of recognize it. Like, okay, if, you know, our grandmothers wouldn't eat it, then it's processed food. And, you know, chances are it's not going to be great for you. Yep. That's, yep. I can remember my grandmother going to the grocery store for just two or three different things, flour, refined sugar. And uh, I mean, that was about it, sprinkles and things for the pastry she liked to make. But beyond gotcha. that, everything we ate, we grew. Oh, that's found. beautiful. That's awesome. Hey, well, I think we're, uh, we're running out of time at this point. Um, this has been a fascinating, uh, fascinating talk with TJ. I greatly appreciate you joining me and joining everybody here. Um, Thank you. TJ Jackson at Real Fungi. Um, so it's www.realfungi.com. Yep, you can skip and, the www. Okay. It's just realfungi.com. Realfungi.com. I'm Dr. Josh Cohen. I'm cohentriggerpoint.com or pain-freelifestyle.com. Go in, check out my exercise and nutrition program. I have a bunch of blogs on there. Check out TJ's website, order some mushrooms from him. And we thank you all very much for joining us. And I hope you have a pain-free day. Thank you for listening to Pain-Free Day. Make sure you join Joshua Cohen for another program next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Now, go enjoy your pain-free day.